Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is John Grills from the Creepy Podcast. With Best Christmas Ever on AMC+, Plus, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern iconic family classics like The Polar Express and The Year Without a Santa Claus, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men. New series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. And you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus. Only the good stuff. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, pretty good. Um, enjoyed a, pretty much a week of not, not traveling, which was really odd. But yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, been a nice few days, been an interesting weekend of football and um, a lot of other topics. So really, really looking forward to chatting about it all. But how are you, Bryce? Yeah, not too bad. I must say I'm, I'm feeling much better than the last time we pottered. I, I didn't have the virus that we will be getting to, but you know, I, I did have a bit of flu, which wasn't very nice, but it seems to have mostly gone now. So I'm, I'm much happier. Manu, you're feeling better. Yeah. I think whatever I had, um, I hope it wasn't COVID-19, um, has mostly gone. I still have that scratch in my, my throat, but I've been told that that will stay with me for, I got probably another two or three weeks, but yeah, other than that, very healthy at the moment. Well, it's all about the topics of health um, at the moment. And Manu and I were ill last time, but now we've bounced back. Chris Williams, that brings us to you. Uh, Chris, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm all right, Bryce. Thanks. Not too bad. Good to hear. So, guys, we're going to talk, um, yes, about COVID-19. As Manu mentioned, that is the hot topic at the moment. Um, everyone seems to be discussing their opinions on it or what they should possibly do next as it is hitting the global stage. It's turning up just about everywhere. And that means that obviously it's going to sport as well. We're seeing different uh, games being played behind closed doors. We're seeing different games and sporting events be cancelled or under threat. So we're going to have to obviously cover it and discuss what the Bundesliga um, opinion is on it all. We would just like to say before anything else, we are not doctors. These are merely opinions. Do not follow any of our advice. Go to your local health services uh, and get the advice uh, from them. So yes, just just enjoy the pod. These are opinions. Do not follow us. Okay, I think we've covered that disclaimer, but let's get to it. Um, before we talk about any of the games this weekend, I suppose you know, COVID-19 or the coronavirus is hot uh, in the air and we need to discuss just what is going on. So, Manu, uh, it 
turns out that, that this match day that we've just seen may be the last time spectators can get into the grounds as the health minister has advised that they should probably be played behind closed doors. What exactly is is your opinion on this, and do you see that happening you know, as soon as maybe this coming weekend? I mean, I have a, I have an opinion on it, but um, again, I'm not a med- I'm not in the medical department. Um, I think it's it's quite clear now that the advice by Federal Minister of Health Spahn is is going to be followed. Germany um, by the time of this podcast had about one thousand one hundred. Um, cases of COVID-19 or the coronavirus. Um, the first death, death was reported on Sunday. This was a person uh, that got it in Egypt and I th- believe also died in Egypt. Um, we have the second report today. Um, don't have too many details on it. It literally just came across the newswire apparently in Bavaria, my home state. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's when, when you look at the, the news ticker, the DFL, um, has very quickly announced that, and I, I did an article on this on Forbes that they will, will definitely keep playing. Um, now the, whether or not there will be games with spectators or not is up to the local health authorities and, um, some of the local health authorities and, you know, these would be the, not even the, uh, the health authorities of the different lender or the states. Um, but the health authorities of the different cities. And um, I think it's sort of slowly but surely coming in the reports that certain health authorities are deciding that games um, or events over 1,000 people will be cancelled. Now, that would, of course, mean in Italy we had the, we had the first few games um, after a similar announcement was made um, played behind closed doors. In Switzerland, same announcement, but there the games were just outright cancelled. Um, the, the news that I saw today, so the latest today, um, yeah, is that, is that the, that some games are cancelled. Um, the Eintracht Frankfurt game, for example, um, in Basel, because the Swiss health authorities have decided, you know, that they're not going to go ahead, um, allowing the game. Um, Dortmund's game in Paris has been cancelled. Um, they has been a new, across the newswire, and this is going to be a massive impact. Bavaria's uh, state government has announced that they uh, will cancel all ga- all events over a thousand people until Karfreitag, which is the this the Sun Friday before the Easter Friday, right? So we're in for it for the long run. I think it's going to be interesting to see um, what sort of impact this will have on games, um, what what this will mean for clubs. When Borussia Dortmund, for example, have announced that they're going to lose up to 3 million euros um, because of what we call in German Geisterspiele, um, games, ghost games, games behind closed doors. And this, I mean, it's it's in some ways it's 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 very disappointing. And on the other hand. Um, you know, the, the cases, although when you look at the actual percentage of, of fatalities, it, it's relatively low. Um, this, the spread of the disease, we have a hundred thousand people infected. As I said, um, in my piece for Forbes, around 250 to 650,000 people a year die of influenza. But I think what this, the, the big problem with this is that it's putting an additional strain on the healthcare systems that are in place in countries and, 
I mean, politicians are always reactionary. Uh, first and foremost, they don't come up with solutions. They just react to problems that are thrown their way. And I think in this case, um, what we're seeing is A, the results of, of globalization, but also I think what is really interesting about this is the fact that a lot of countries have have downsized their healthcare system so much that they cannot cope with an additional pandemic or additional um, a flu-like disease um, because influenza hits countries like Germany every year. So it is, it's very disappointing. And I think it's really just an hourly update. Like, you know, the news are coming in. Kicker in Germany has, has a ticker that like they just update. And, um, 29 minutes ago, they updated that additional games have been canceled in the Europa League. And I guess the big question now is how, how are they going to make all of that up? Yeah, it's definitely a difficult one, isn't it? And everyone seems to have their own opinions as to what should happen or what should be done. Um, it's it's hard to know really what what the right uh, or perfect uh, thing to do is in this scenario. It's something which we're we're not exactly used to. Um, Chris, if we just go to you, I mean, it, Manu mentioned that you know th- there's been a, a recommendation that the games are played behind closed doors. Do you think that that would then threaten that the Bundesliga would be suspended at all until maybe next season or do you think maybe sponsorship and clubs and players and promotion and relegation all these kind of things would 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 make people react that it it has to go on the show must continue yeah it is a difficult one um I think that when you close the stadium all you do is you push the problem elsewhere so um you would then have to stop people congregating in bars because if you're going to close the stadium, people just go to the pub and watch it. Um, <laughs> and then all you're doing is shifting the problem somewhere else. So that'll have to be looked at. Um, but yeah, they, if, if the medical advice is that they don't want large crowds of people congregating and, and potentially passing it to each other and then taking it home and passing it to maybe people who have got problems with their immune system or who are elderly or who are frail, I can see why they want to do that. But uh, it's just going to shift the problem elsewhere for me because um, I say pubs will be rammed um, where people want to watch the match. Uh, so I, I genuinely think if they can't suspend their season because of, of all the problems that run along with that, there's only an eight-week gap in the summer. So you can't ask players to to have an eight-week break now and then just play back-to-back and you know start the season a week after the next one ends. Um, and then if you suspend it fully, you've got all the problems with people who should have gone down, clubs who should have gone up. I think there's so much money in the game now that there will be a lot of um, legal um, ramifications for that because teams will lose out millions of euros, um, not just by having closed doors, but by potentially not being relegated or potentially not gaining promotion. So I think for me, if it is going to impact, it'll, it will be done behind closed doors and I can you know, see that happening. Um, I was in... North Rhine-Westphalia on the weekend, which is the the biggest area affected by COVID-19 in Germany. Um, there didn't seem to be that much um, fear about it. I certainly didn't see anybody in the game in masks, etc. Saw plenty of people in the airport in masks, but you know, didn't see anybody who was um, taking overly precious precautions about it. So we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, if you start cancelling games, then I think the impact it has later on becomes a real problem um, i can understand maybe why if we look at the european stage napoli barcelona i can understand why barcelona potentially don't want a load of napoli fans um in their stadium obviously 
you know, Italy's uh, real bad sense for it in, in Europe. Um, interesting that Leipzig have said that they're happy to play against Tottenham in a normal stadium. The, the cases in Saxony are quite low. Cases in the UK on the whole are quite low. Um, but yeah, I would, I would expect the Western side of Germany, um, NRW, where most of the sides are, there's a real hot bed of football. Expect them to be played behind closed doors, maybe till the end of the season. Because if you're looking at when rates of flu and it, and it is a different strain of flu, when they subside, it's when the weather gets better and you know nature takes its course. So it'd have to be around about May or June time when I think the the weather will get better. So um, yeah, I think we could be looking at behind closed doors. And as uh, Chris just mentioned, uh, Manu, you know Leipzig are happy you know, for Tottenham to to bring fans over for them to play in in front of a, a full crowd, you know, at home there in the Champions League this coming week. But uh, you know, what what are the reactions uh, been at this early stage, you know, uh, to, by the clubs, the officials, and even the fans as well? Yeah, I mean, the DFL issued a statement yesterday and, um, you know, Christian Seifert is, is a very rational man. I've interviewed him a couple times now and he, he's basically said we have to draw, walk a fine balance between being rational about this and, and trying to not to panic. And I, I think, he, you know, in my opinion, he, he hits, he, he is quite right. I mean, um, just look at the way people have reacted by buying lots and lots of toilet paper. Um, the, the actual cases of coronavirus in, in a country of 80 million, we have a thousand cases and yet we're willing to basically shut down everything in this country, right? Um, whether that is the balance. Again, I'm not a medical professional, but I personally, I feel like it's all a little bit much. And I think, um, a lot of the responses like that have been in a similar direction. Of course, the DFL is is on the verge of losing a lot of money, um, as is every other sports competition in Europe, because we all know the moment Germany is doing this, other countries are going to get hit. Um, it's going to be only a matter of time until it breaks out in the United States, uh, big time in the United Kingdom as well. You know, this is, this is a country where the healthcare system has been absolutely gutted by the current government. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it, it, I think the reactions have been sort of mixed. Um, you know, there is, there is people, um, and we're going to talk about him in a moment. Martin Schmidt, the, the now fired head coach from FC Augsburg, for example, said we should cancel international matches because players will be flying around the world. Um, then of course we have seen some, one of the handball officials has said like, look, we're not canceling games for influenza. Where are we drawing the line? And I think this is, this is sort of been a mixed bag. Then of course the health ministry saying, okay, well, we should cancel all games, but keep in mind, if this goes really sideways, people will blame the federal ministry of health in Germany and no one else. So if, you know, Spahn has a lot to lose. And I think this is really, there's a lot of shots in the dark at the moment and a lot of statements left right and center including mine my opinion is very much a shot in the dark i have to really underline that right here i'm not a medical professional um and i think we're just in a situation in, in in an instance that we haven't had in the history of this game and it really kind of shows how interconnected this game is with world events but also and then Chris has said this. I mean, we kind of have to finish these games. I mean, this is the bottom line. The seasons have to be finished because what's going to happen with promotion and relegation? What's going to happen with the teams in, in the Champions League? 
um, you know, these things need to be determined. And I almost, there's almost no room in the, in the calendar. Like this return game that Frankfurt have to play in Basel. They already had problems, um, move, by moving the, uh, Salzburg return game by one day from Thursday to Friday. That already caused a bunch of problems and actually means there is a makeup game now to be played in the Bundesliga between Bremen and Frankfurt. Now they're moving this game. Where are they going to put it? And I think, I mean, uh, and this is such an interesting one. And Chris, you and I have discussed this many times. The schedule is so packed full. Where are you going to put these games? And then keep in mind this summer, we have a European championship that in UEFA's finest moments, they have decided to play European wide. I mean, uh, now in retrospect, that seems like an even dumber idea than it was in the beginning. Yeah, I think that could be in serious doubt if it carries on. Um, if there is a widespread outbreak in, in, you know, most European countries, I think a multi-city European championship is probably not um, the best idea because there will be fans traveling from different countries within Europe, um, all over Europe. But it would be a real bad problem if countries are struggling to contain the problems. Um, are you seeing now in in Asia? Um, instances in China are dropping. I think the instances in South Korea are dropping, but China had it from early December, I think, and now we're in March. So you're looking at a couple of months. So maybe we are in Europe where China was in mid-December. So maybe we've got a couple of months to go and that would take us into June, really, which is um, when the European Championship starts. So maybe it wouldn't be a particularly good idea to host that competition. But then the fallout from that is do you just write that competition off? Does Euro 2020 just never exist? Um, you can't play it a year later because that then impacts on the FIFA calendars and qualification for the World Cup. So it is a very tight schedule. And I think a problem like this just highlights how many football matches we do have. Um, and it will give ammunition to those who want certain things done, especially over in this country. Do In England, is there any need for a third domestic cup competition? Because when games get cancelled, these things run on. Um, I, I'm shocked, to be honest, that some of the Europa League games have been cancelled. I I do think that playing behind closed doors is the best um, possible outcome um, rather than just cancelling games. Because as Manu said, um, I don't know when you fit them in again. Um, and also, for me personally, and I, you know, I'm not a medical expert either, but there seems to be a line drawn. Um, I'm, I'm with a handball league on this. Where do we stop? Where do we stop it from? If this is a, if this indeed now is a strain of flu that you can get every year, is, is this a problem now? Do we redo the football season so it's a summer game? What well, there's there's a load of other questions that fall out of it. But yeah, bar, behind closed doors for me works. I think cancellation doesn't. I think cancellation gets um, more problems because I don't think this is a one-off either. Chris, uh, I'm going to stick with you. You went to see uh, Borussia Dortmund play uh, this weekend, which we will get to in all good time. But uh, Dortmund will be playing uh, Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League this second leg on Wednesday night um, this week. Um, behind closed doors, do, do you think that that's going to make much of a difference to Dortmund? Uh, is is it a positive for Dortmund? I mean, I mean, obviously none of their fans will be there, but you know, most of the fans would be you know, from Paris, and, the, and they're certainly not going to be there either. No, it's always a strange one, games behind closed doors. Um, I've seen a couple of games uh, behind closed doors, only on television, obviously. That would uh, negate the, the reason of it being behind closed doors. And it brings a strange atmosphere, and it's a strange atmosphere for the players as well, because it's almost like 
it's not a training match and it won't be looked upon by a training match but um it's mostly international games i've seen you know stadiums closed for for instance racial problems um and yeah it's it's a very very strange environment because the game still has the same outcome who goes forward into the quarterfinal of the champions league but there's no none of the passion around the side um and you will see that if someone scores a goal there will be less passion because you know there's less passion emanating from the side of the pitch and how well the players play because you speak to any any player any manager anybody associated with the club and they will tell you that you know fans can be the 12th man at, at certain times and can take them forward and give them that extra impetus they need to win the game um i think in this particular instance it will suit dortmund better because because of where um where this, the game's being played obviously in uh, park de princes is a very um very loud atmospheric stadium i've been there myself was there last season in the champions league to watch liverpool play there um and the small corner where the dortmund fans would have been housed um doesn't make up for the rest of the the very um the very loud fans that that psg have so i think this in this particular instance it'll work in dortmund's favor they've had They've had their crowd spurring them on at home uh, and now they'll play behind closed doors um, in, in at PSG. So it'll be a very strange one to watch. Um, interesting to note also that Dortmund cancelled all the accreditations of um, visiting journalists as well. Um, so the only press that are going to be at that game are um, rights holders that are involved with the broadcast. So um, that negates, I think, everybody else apart from... Um, I can't remember. Manny will correct me if it's Sky or DAZN that I've got that match, but um, it'll only be the particular outlet who'll be allowed to be there. Yeah, that's it. Um, obviously, that game is going to be behind closed doors. We've talked about you, the Basel Eintracht Frankfurt game being uh, cancelled. We're going to wait and see when exactly that's going to be rescheduled. Um, Leipzig. Tottenham is going to be okay. And then we've got Rangers versus Bayer Leverkusen. Still all right. And Wolfsburg versus Shakhtar Donetsk. So, yeah, Bryce, games- um, just to, because I've just seen this come across the news wire. Sorry to interrupt. But, uh, in Italy, Giuseppe Conte has says measures, uh, measures including a ban on gathering will be extended to the whole country. So, um, that could impact Europe, European competitions uh, massively. Yeah, we're kind of, as you said, Manny, we're living off that uh, constant moment by moment, aren't we? Um, Kicker being one of the sources where we're just uh, getting the news coming in. And yeah, we're going to have to see what happens. But so far, those games are okay. But who knows by the time this pod even comes out. So we we talked about it impacting fans. Um, Let's stick with fans. Um, Last week, we... It was a hot topic talking about the protests across the Bundesliga and we're going to have to follow that up, I feel. Um, Manu, one week on from the hot protests, um, what was the reaction this weekend? Did we see them continue? Um, have things calmed down? What's the situation? Yeah, it seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Um, especially with these with these new sources, new 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 news or old news that have now overtaken um sport and everything that's happened on the pitch and, and yeah last week of course we we spent an, an extended amount of time talking about Dietmar Hopp and the Bayern protests and the interruptions at the Hoffenheim Bayern game and um you know it was Bundesliga wide as Chris pointed out at the game that he was in in Dortmund there was there was protests as well and 
Um, the DFB, of course, um, a lot of was criticized really heavily by fan organizations for um, the way they handled it. Um, media has sort of jumped this on the side of the DFB and said um, fans, you know, sh should be treated. That there should be more respect coming from fans. Uh, fans have counted this that, um, um, you know, they are all for respect, but you know, it's interesting that media jumped on this topic, but not when it comes to racism. We discussed this in great length last week. So if you want to listen back to it, I highly recommend you do. Um, you know, controversial discussions at times. Not everyone agreed with what we said. Um, this week, of course, you know, <laughs> coronavirus is the hot topic right now. I think on the weekend, um, a lot of fan organizations, I've, we've seen banners, um, displayed and in, you know, in all over Germany, but even including Austria, the guys from the other Bundesliga, um, had, had showed up, you know, had a good thread on banners that were shown, um, against Hop or like rather in, uh, fan organizations trying to get 50 plus one across the line in Austria because of course of there it has been already negated for quite some time. Um, but I thought it was really interesting because, um, fan organizations all over Germany reacted and Bayern fans, um, you know, held up banners criticizing Bayern for their involvement with Qatar saying that, you know, you're willing to step up for a billionaire, but you're not willing to, uh, you know, you're also willing to take money from an, from a country like Qatar. Um, they also criticized the DFB for VAR, for collective punishments, that kind of thing. Um, Schalke fans held up a banner. And this is interesting because remember, this all started because of a collective punishment against Dortmund. So Schalke fans, even they, um, came up in solidarity and said, <laughs> we apologize to all horse that we brought them in connection with uh, Dietmar Hopp. Um, in Freiburg, they held up co collective uh, banner against collective punishments. And then in Dortmund, um, they, the fans criticized the fact that the DFB, um, supports billionaires, but not fan organizations and doesn't fight racism. So, Uh, sorry, not in Dortmund, in Gladbach, the game that Chris was at. So I'll hand this over to Chris um, here, but I think it's it's really interesting how fan organizations kind of uh, managed to draw, walk the line of still criticizing Hop and the DFB without actually causing the three, uh, you know, what is it, the three plan, mechanism plan to, to interrupt games. Um, it's it, I thought it was really interesting. And in the times, I mean, you have to applaud them for their creativity. Yeah, I think this was was needed because I get why they're not happy. Um, but it was quite unsavory if we look back to the crosshairs, etc. Um, and I think they'd maybe used up their goodwill. The ultras had um of what was left of the goodwill for the DFB, and had they continued in that vein, there would have been more stoppages on this match day. But they changed their tact. Um, and, and did walk that line and, and did it well and got their point across, which I think everybody can agree with. Um, that the, the, the things that they are protesting about, um, are the, you know, eradication of what they feel is 50 plus one, uh, eradication of, um, of the community feel of football over commercialization, um, the DFB collective punishments. They're told they wouldn't get that. Yada, yada, yada. Um, and, and now they are, they are using their right to protest in the best possible way. Um, and as long as they're doing this, I don't think we'll have any problem. Um, whether it achieves anything in the long run, um, is, is probably a question for another day, but the fans want to have their say 
and this is now what they're, they're getting um, and they're doing it the right way and you can only commend them for that. Very good. And I feel, Chris, that we should probably move to things on the field now as you were there for the Borussia Derby. So we had Borussia Dortmund taking on Borussia Mönchengladbach. As we said, um, it, it was almost make or break for, well, for nearly each side, I would say, but Gladbach, especially to keep them in the title hunt. But uh, for Borussia Dortmund, we knew that at times they had been so good um, in, in recent months, but also they, they seemed to throw it away uh, just when we thought that they were highly involved in the title race. How did it go this weekend, Chris? Um, a 2-1 win for Dortmund. Uh, were they just as impressive as they can be, or was it more a, a workmanlike performance? It was a typical Dortmund performance, Bryce, and I say that because in phases they were exceptionally good, um, and in phases they were really poor at the back, um, and it was a fantastic game to be at. It was a thrilling atmosphere. Um, and the football, it was almost like a basketball match at one time. It was end-to-end. Um, but Dortmund did what they needed to do, which was, you know, they needed that victory. They were um, in a fortunate position where they'll have seen, the, the, or they won't have seen, but they will have heard the results from the earlier kickoffs, from the half-three uh, local-time kickoffs. Obviously, Wolfsburg managed to get a point at home against Leipzig, which was massive for Dortmund. Um, they'll have known that Leverkusen ran riot at home against Eintracht Frankfurt. So they were back into the mix. And then all of a sudden, Dortmund needed to go out and get a result against Gladbach. Um, and it started very well. I thought Gladbach started the brighter. They were unlucky not to get a goal within the first couple of minutes. Um, but Dortmund settled a little bit. And yeah, Thorgan Hazard, back in his old um, hunting ground, scored a wonderful goal. Um assist from Halland. I don't know if he can be really credited with the assist. He will get the statistical assist, but it was a poor pass. It was behind Hazard. He did well to control it. Lovely little Cruyff turn in the box and then dispatched the ball into the top left-hand corner of the net. It was a, a real top-notch finish. Um, and then from after that, Bryce, it was all Gladbach and it should have been... I mean, had they taken their chances, it should have been 3-1 um, at half-time to the host. I think they were denied an absolute nailed on penalty um I, I still don't know looking at, at the um the replays how var didn't pick that up zagadu completely leans in um and it's it's uh it's a foul based on the fact that he's let the ball go in front of him i don't know why that's not a penalty um and yeah there was um there was one instance where um berkey makes a tremendous save um I think um, Besson Barney rattles the frame of the goal. Um, it, it was all Gladbach. And then Dortmund came out of the second half, um, played a little better, and then brought on Jaden Sancho. And the rest, as they say, Bryce, is history. Um, Jaden Sancho, what a talent he's looking. I mean, everybody who listens to this podcast, anybody who watches German football will know how good Jaden Sancho is. But he was just another level. I get why Favre arrested him because of the trip to Paris midweek. He is the best player, I think, the best attacking option they've got, so needed to keep him. Um, and the, the players they've got on the pitch were, were good as well. But, I mean, Sancho came on. He had an assist within five minutes. Um, you know, he uh, got himself into a little scrap um, within 10 minutes, and then he almost scored himself at one point. So it was a real good display for him. And, and at the end of the final whistle, I'd... I'd I wasn't doing a match report. I was doing a, a Saturday recap, which is on football stats. So I had the privilege of leaving bang on 90 minutes and going down to the mix zone and watching the players come in. Um, yeah, Hakimi 
after his goal obviously was pumped. Um, Sancho is shouting the whole Dortmund dressing room. It it sounded like they'd won um, more than just a game, Bryce. And I think it's because of where they are now in the table. At one point, um, sorry, no, they're um, the, yeah, they're they're three three or four points, but yeah, they're four points now behind um, Bayern. But at that time, they were one point behind. Um, they've got the game against Bayern coming up. Can they win that? Then then we do have a title fight down to one point. And, you know, I think even Mighty Bayern can drop a point at some point this season. So it's going to be real interesting. We could be looking back at this particular game as, as a turning point in the rest of the season. Absolutely. And yes, I, as you said, that Hazard goal is something, really something else. You know, that, that turn and then that finish and that position, it, it, it really was beautiful. And actually, um, as I said after the game, that uh, he joked that yes, Haaland scores way too many goals and that it's about time he uh, got more assists to his game. So I'm sure he was uh, rather happy to be assisted by the big youngster. But um, yeah, fantastic results. And Manu, actually, um, Reina came on again. Something that you pointed out to us. Is that eight games on the bounce? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, for 17-year-old American, um, this, this is, this is very exciting. And, um, I, I think he did play a big part in the last 10 minutes getting this result across the line. Um, there's, a, there's an article up on Transfermark because we, of course on Transfermark.us, we, we keep a close eye on, um, all the US players, um, and their performances in the Bundesliga. And I think, you know, Favre is managing him quite well. Um, you know, giving him minutes here and there. Uh, a similar, Dortmund did a similar thing with, with Pulisic. Um, when, when he came first in, into the squad and then, of course, Sancho, um, was very similar as well, you know, given minutes here, 10 minutes here, 25 minutes there, half there, a start over and start there, you know, it's, it's been very good for him. And, um, if you actually include the Pokal game as well, um, he had featured in that, he featured in the Champions League game. So, you know, 10 games now since the winter break, um, it's been, it's been very good for him. And I think, um, when, when you watch him play and the way he handles himself and he handles himself in difficult situations. I mean, as Chris pointed out, Gladbach were, were pressing hard. And for Favre to decide then in a situation like that, to bring in a player like that, a very young player, um, to put that burden on someone's shoulder shows that he's quite far already in his development. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely an exciting uh, player to watch in the future. And Chris, just one more, uh, comment uh, regarding the game uh, Mats Hummels he said after the game that now that they have the right mix between workers and artists on the field do you believe that do you, do you believe that uh, you maybe the likes of Emery Chan gives them a bit of bite which we mentioned before but also you know, Jin Sancho you know fiery as we've seen at the weekend as well do you do you feel that first of all they've got the, the right mix but second of all with the RB Leipzig draw and them coming slightly off the boil which we'll talk about in a moment that uh, Dortmund are the main challengers to Bayern now going into the the final stages of the league barring um, any sort of Dortmund like mistake in the next couple of games yeah I think they are um and I think that was the feeling that the players had um, post-match when they were in the changing room as well. You mentioned um, only a moment ago the the joyous um, celebrations they had from just picking up those three points. It was worth more than three points to them. Um, and I think they showed that. But yeah, what Hummel said was really interesting because I do think um, 
if you're looking for for players who can take a title fight, you want someone like Matt Hummels, um, and you need someone else in front of him like Matt Hummels, who I think is Emre Chan on this. Um, I tweeted out during the game in the first half that he settled so quickly into that game and he was everywhere. He was uh, making hard but fair challenges. Um, he was using his um, he was using his body strength fairly. Um, he was also in opposition um, you know, players' faces when he needed to. Um, he's he's got that right mix of of aggression and skill. Um, some of his his sideward plays were excellent. Um, he makes that link between um, defense and attack very very well. He knows Emery Chan's very clever. He knows when to play the ball backwards. He knows when to slow the game down. He knows when to quicken it up. And that's I think something that Dortmund had been missing. And I don't take anything away from Delaney or or Witzel that have been playing in those areas or even Weigl before him, but. Emre Chan has a lot of experience. He gains a lot of experience at Liverpool, went to Champions League final. He then went to Juventus. I know he didn't have a particularly good time there, but he worked with some real top-level players, top-level coaches as well, um, saw how Juventus played um, maybe that more strings to their game than they have. Liverpool, when he was there, played all-out attack. Um, Juventus are very good at locking down teams down as well as playing exciting attacking football. It's not the 90s. It's not all defensive Italian football anymore, but they still retain that element to be able to defend very well as well as attack exceptionally. So I think he picked up a lot from those two clubs he was at. Um, So now Dortmund are getting the full package off Emre Can, which is, I think, what Liverpool missed and what Juventus missed. He's now learned and he's bringing that um, together for for Dortmund. And yeah, in that centre of the park, he really dominated it. Went a little bit quiet, I think, during the second half, but that was all down to Gladbach's pressing. You can't expect Emery to do everything on his own. Um, but for for the key start to the game where Dortmund were able to get a foothold in it, he, he was all over it. And then later on still, once Sancho came on, I mean, Sancho and Haaland worked together so, so well. If, if Hummels is talking about artistry, them two have got it together already. And I know... Um, if you listen to Mr. Vatska and, and Mr. Zork as well, they'd like to keep hold of Sancho for an extra year. They think they may be able to persuade him, all based on this relationship he's having with Haaland, because it is a is a really, really top-level relationship that they've got at the moment. So that's going to be interesting to see going forward. But yeah, I get what he means. Up, up at the top of the pitch, they have got artists like Hazard, like Haaland, like Sancho. And the workers I would put down as um, as Emery Chan, as Hakimi as well, as Hummels himself, um, that that mix that Dortmund have needed, I think since Tuchel left, I think they might finally have that now. Yeah, I mentioned Hakimi, I think, uh, last week or the week before. And, yeah, I just love watching him at the moment. He's just a fantastic talent. But let's talk about RB Leipzig. Manu, things haven't quite gone to plan with them uh, recently. Um, I, you know, they've, they've drawn another game, a nil-nil uh, away to Wolfsburg. Not exactly an exciting game, but I mean, there was even a draw against Bayer Leverkusen before this. Uh, and they're, they're just drawing or even losing too many games this this uh, stage of the season, aren't they? The second half of the season, you know, the, the last two wins that they've had have been against Schalke and Werner Bremen, who well, aren't very good at the moment. Um, what exactly is wrong with RB Leipzig? Do, do, do you feel that maybe they, they have one eye on the Champions or, or, or what's their excuse? They just, you know, so, so I sat through the 90 minutes of this game and um, I really dearly want those back, but it's just that 
the urgency um, is missing. You know, fundamentally, the way that they play football is 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 very strong. Um, the the setup that Nagelsmann prefers um, makes a lot of sense for the squad. He he rotates his players quite a bit. Timo Werner didn't start, um, not a hundred percent fit, and of course they have a big game coming up against Tottenham. And maybe it is that split attention, you know, the fact that they can reach something magnificent against Tottenham uh, on the midweek. Um, but also, you know, the, the fact that, um, that they can also achieve something magnificent in the Bundesliga, which is dethrone Bayern. And I think that, that they have very much slipped up. You know, they were four points ahead of Bayern, um, before the winter break. And now it's, it's eight points. And um, you do get the sense that some of the players maybe have their attention elsewhere. I mean, Timo Werner once again um, speaks about going to other clubs, um, speaks in the mixed zone about his desire to play for a big club. Um, didn't say specifically Liverpool, but we know that interest is, of course, there. We know that Bayern are still interested. Hansi Flick has said um, internally that he's a very big fan of Timo Werner. So you almost wonder that you almost get the sense the attention isn't there and um, Nagelsmann is trying to counter that a little bit with um, pointing out that, you know, this is a great opportunity that Leipzig are potentially squandering there. But I just, you know, I get the sense the urgency is just lacking a little bit and I think they need to get this really quickly back in because the side is very young. Uh, they've already had a spell like that in the beginning of the year, you know, where they drop points unnecessarily. They lost games unnecessarily, including a game against the Olympic Lyon that I was at in the Champions League, um, a game that they should have easily won, that they, they dropped uh, two goals. And um, before you know it, you know, you're out of the Champions League, you're out of the title race. Um, this, this squad just kind of needs to get their act together. Yeah, it's been a bit surprising, a bit um, well disappointing, hasn't it, from them. We kind of uh, hoped and expected that they would be able to hang in there right to the end, but um, it doesn't seem to be the case for Nagelsmann and RB Leipzig at the moment. Um, let's talk about uh, Bayern Munich then. Uh, I mentioned earlier, well, I, I asked Chris if it was a workmanlike performance uh, from Borussia Dortmund. Uh, which it wasn't particularly, but for Bayern, it most certainly was a 1-0 victory against Augsburg. Um, Manu, what are the takeaway points from this game? Um, from what I've seen anyway, uh, pardon me, I've only watched the highlights, but not the most exciting of games, really. No, I actually thought that Augsburg did a very good job containing Bayern. And, um, you know, it, it took... A moment of brilliance by Jerome Boateng, a beautiful pass um, over the over the, the back line. Thomas Müller, who has been in spectacular form, it's in, kind of incredible to think that he might not go to the European Championships this summer. Um, scoring scoring a great goal, and then um, for the rest of the match, it was you know Augsburg really trying to get the equalizer. And if it hadn't been for Manuel Neuer, who I believe is on top of his game once again. Uh, which means he's he's once again cemented a place at the very top of the goalkeeping pyramid worldwide. Um, he makes a couple stops to to keep his Bayern side alive, and um, in the end, you know, in stoppage time, um, Goretzka um, with the winner. Um, but you get a sense that, of course, they're without Robert Lewandowski, and we've said many times that how important this player is is for Bayern, but. 
you do get the sense that uh, in particular in the back line, this, this side is still beatable. Niederlechner scored a goal, um, was marginally offside, you know, and it was called back. So they, they are teams have chances. And if you do press them the right way, um, you could get points from them. The problem is though that under Hansi Flick, um, they are willing to put in the work that they haven't made necessarily put in under other, other coaches. And I actually think, in fact, that Hansi Flick has been incredibly, incredibly for this club. Uh, I think it would be a shocker if he doesn't um, sign a permanent head coach contract in the summer to become, to, to steer the ship at Bayern. Um, you know, the work, the way they've played, they've probably been playing the best football ever since Pep Guardiola left. And um, I said it in a tweet this this week. I think it also highlights, you know, why the German national team has struggled ever since Flick has left Joachim Löw's side. He's possibly the perfect coach for for the side because, um, you know, he doesn't steal the spotlight, but he is fundamentally, in terms of his tactics and the way he works with the squad, he's a, he's a perfect fit. And uh, I I think when you look at the side, when Bayern right now. Um, the, the way if they compensated Sirx, uh, Lewandowski being injured, Flick bringing in Sirks, you know, bringing in a young player, the very thing that Kovac was always been criticized for not playing young players, the work that he's done with Alfonso Davies, uh, I mean, absolutely outstanding. And, um, yeah, you have to, you have to really, really top your hat for, for the way the, the team has been playing under Flick. Yeah, they've been very impressive, haven't they? I'd be shocked if he is not at the helm come next season. A man who's not at the helm is Martin Smith, who managed to get himself sacked from the Osborne position. Um, Chris, I suppose it's not really much of a surprise, is it? I mean, you can be forgiven for losing to Bayern Munich, but um, picking up four points out of a possible 24 since the winter break, uh, it, it's it's not really good enough, is it? No, it's not. It's not really good enough. But where do Augsburg want to be? Um, because for me, I don't think they're one of the best 12 sides in Germany. Um, so that means that they're going to be either 13th or below. Well, you only have to go from 13th to 16th, Bryce, and, and they're fighting relegation. Um, they're one of these clubs that potentially is, is maybe in the top 25. So if you look at the teams around them, um, Hertha Berlin, obviously, have, have got a real big back in Eintracht Frankfurt, Union Berlin are above them. And it might be the fact that the two promoted sides are doing so well um, where this has come from. They're not playing the, mo- the most attractive football um, but uh, yeah, where do they want to be for me? Because I think 14th place is roundabout where Augsburg should be. Paderborn uh, are punching way above their own weight, so I think they were always going to be relegation candidates. And I think both Manu and I had, and I think you as well, Bryce, had Augsburg down with Mainz as being potential relegation problems. Um, and yeah, Werder Bremen have had a terrible season, which is why they're slap down in 17th but otherwise Augsburg and Mainz are going to be round about 16th or 17th for me so you are where you are um, I think maybe they look back to their really good run they had a couple of seasons ago where they went into the Europa League and want to be back in that position well I'm not sure if that's uh, an achievable outcome for them um, maybe they just don't want to go down because they have a fear that they won't come back up a little bit like Hamburg have had last couple of seasons um, because I think if Augsburg do go down, we won't see them again for a long time because um, I don't think they'll have the the skill 
or, or the ability or the, the pool of money that will need to take them back up. But yeah, unfortunate for him, unfortunate for Augsburg. But I think where they are, Bryce, 14th, is probably where they should be. Yeah, it is a tricky one, isn't it, for Augsburg? Let's see who they bring in. I hear Heiko Herlich, uh, formerly of uh, Bayer Leverkusen, is being uh, potentially lined up there. But we'll have to see if, if that is the case. Um, guys, I would love to stay on and chat, but we have more or less ran out of time. Um, off-field things seem to be taking up most of our time the last two weeks. I would have loved to have touched a little bit on likes of Bayer Leverkusen's 4-0 victory over Eintracht Frankfurt. Kudos to them. And more importantly... Um, how well Kuhn have been doing um, in the second half of the season you know winning once again against Paderborn but um, maybe we'll get to it next week um, Manu what have you got going on coming up this week <sighs> works travel so work is cancelled all non-essential travel um, which grounds me in Victoria <laughs> that's pretty much it Bryce but I mean there will be content uh, games are still being played. We'll try to cover them as 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 good as possible and um, sit out this coronavirus um, related break, um, I guess. So yeah, um, but yeah, follow me or at Manuel on Twitter. There will be tons and tons of content on Transfermarkt, and um, I did a piece on Forbes on the coronavirus and the possible impact on the Bundesliga. So. Um, if you want to check that out, that's on my Twitter feed as well. Great stuff. And Chris Williams, what have you got going on this week? Uh, well, I'm obviously safely confined on an island. Um, so I'm going to watch uh, Liverpool take on Atletico Madrid on Wednesday in a packed stadium. Um, hoping for a Liverpool win, Bryce. You and me both, Chris. Um, yes, that more or less does it for this week. We'll be back before you know it. Enjoy the uh, European games this week and actually the one Bundesliga game as well that was rescheduled. That is the round 21 um, match between Borussia Mönchengladbach and Cologne, which will be on on Wednesday night. So, yeah, in, enjoy that as well. There's still plenty of football for you to watch. Let's hope that it continues. But until next week, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn, and I'll be your Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied. Was mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht, komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.